Doom Patrol, Negative Man, Elastigirl, Robot Man. Someone wants the Doom Patrol reunited. Your every word and action is being broadcast across the planet. Now, Monsieur Mana! Well done, my Doom Patrol. Well done. It is too late for you, Calder. Your beloved Patrol is doomed. Hello and welcome to Waiting for Doom, the world's greatest Doom Patrol related podcast where each episode we talk long and lovingly about our favourite superhero team, the mighty Doom Patrol. Hello listeners, I'm Paul and I'm on uh, reading underscore Hicks and you can find, well, I, I'm not good at this, and we're on <laughs> waitingfordoom.com and you can send us emails at waitingfordoom at gmail.com and we're on Facebook and all of our episodes are available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Spotify and podbean.com. Yes, we're a little bit rusty, it's been a while, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I'm, I'm Mike. You can find me on Twitter at AvantGarb. You can also find me on Twitter our sentient show account. That's Wilfred. He's at WFDPod. Hello, Wilfred. How are you? Hello, humans. And this week on the show, we are returning to some goodness from Volume 5 of Doom Patrol. So that's going to be interesting. But first, Paul, how has your... I was going to say week been, but <laughs> it's been a few weeks since the last episode of Waiting for Doom. It's yeah, it's been a, a period of time. It has, <laughs> yes, <laughs> very specifically. Um, yeah, I, well, I've been reading lots of comics, but I'll talk about the ones I've read most recently. My comic store, my local comic shop, the beloved D's Books and Comics in Belconnen in Canberra, which I've I've come to. I've actually been there more in the quarantine and the the shutdown than I have, you know. Oh around the time. They stayed open. Basically, no one told them to shut, so they didn't. <laughs> okay. Fair yeah. Enough. Yeah, so I've been in there a few times. Canberra's got no cases at the moment, so um, that's good. Um, oh, sorry, for people listening in the future, we're talking about the COVID-19 pandemic yes. yep. and how it's it's petering out in Australia, I would yeah. say. It's, it's, it's pouring it's May, out. It's May 2020, uh, if uh, you future listeners, yes. Future listeners. Yep. How's the future? Is it worse? I bet um, you bastards have got flying cars. We haven't. We've just got a, we just got a bloody pandemic. Anyway, sorry, Paul, as you were saying. Yeah, we've got jetpacks that don't even fly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so he's it, Brendan, who runs the shop, he's put in a, um, cheap back issue bins. Ooh, hello. Yeah, yeah, he's got dollar boxes now and stuff. And it, it's, wow. Yeah. Um, they're down low, so old man Paul has to get her down on his knees and pull them out and, and uh, squat for a bit. I can't squat for long. Okay. <laughs> Isn't that what you have children for? Yeah, oh well. Uh, they're not with me. <laughs> oh well, yeah, fair, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Anyway, um, but yeah, I've been able to pull out some, uh, you know, full minis for a dollar an issue and things like that. And wow. It's very exciting. So I got um, the five-issue miniseries Prodigy by Mark Miller and Raphael Albuquerque, mm-hmm. which is going to be on Netflix. And I actually um, mm-hmm. somehow read it. I think they read the first issue somewhere and thought, that was pretty good. And um, the guys over on uh, Professor Frenzy Show always gave it a good... Uh, good uh, talking? Review? Rap? <laughs> <laughs> Rap. Recommendation? You know? Good words. <laughs> Wording good. Yeah. So um, I want to check that out. Um, I picked up Grand Passion, which is a, um, a James Robinson um, sort of cop and robber romance thing. And it's oh. yeah, well, a bit sexy. Um, oh, hello. Um, James Robinson, art by Tom Feister. That was really good. So five issues of that. I got the full thing of that. And uh, 
<laughs> what if I said I read a comic called World of Tanks? What do you think that would be about? Um, battles involving tanks? Oh, I thought you were going to say, like, Planet of the Tanks. No, yeah, it's battles involving tanks, Mike. Oh, wow, look at me go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, it, it's, it's written by um, Garth Ennis. Garth Ennis. Oh, He's, okay. It's a bit unusual for him to want to do a story about war. War? Uh, yeah. Yeah, but um, very incredibly well-researched. It's actually from a video game called World of Tanks. I was thinking is... it sounded familiar, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but of course he's done just a, another Garth Ennis war comic, and, and it's really right. good art by Carlos Esquera before he Ooh. passed away, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay. Him of uh, Judge, Dead, uh, Judge Dread creation. Yep. Hmm, so, uh, yeah, that was pretty good. And, yeah, I, I, every time I go there, I, I, you know, I have to allocate about an extra 10 minutes to go through the back issues. And I picked oh. up some uh, Mark Russell singles, which I didn't have, like uh, the oh. Flintstones. Mark issue. Russell, you've, you've never talked about him. Is he yeah, up so, is he? Yeah. Oh. So one day I'm going to um, corner Mark Russell and say, sign my Flintstones and <laughs> things like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, but they do have um, the DC back issues are $2.00. Which is oh, okay. quite, quite reasonable when it's, you consider that it's, you know, some square bound ones in there which are originally mm. Australian forty eight dollars or whatever they are. Oh god. Yeah. What about you? What about um, you? Uh, reading a little bit, I'm sort of slowly catching up on my my um pull list, uh, because some listeners may be aware that my local comic shop had a fire earlier in the year. Um and so uh, the proprietor has decided he'll he'll still continue to operate, but just out of his home for now. So, mm. um, sort of getting you know bulk monthly deliveries uh, from 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 Tony there. So, last memorable things I read was Ascender. Um, still loving that series. That's great, gorgeous artwork there. A um, bit of Amethyst and a bit of Detective Comics, where he's facing off against the Cult of Two Face. Which Ooh. is a bit, um, bit odd. So, um, yeah, other than that, not, not a hell of a lot. Um, just sort of, yeah, plodding through this pandemic life. I've, I've been doing a little bit of miniatures painting, but for someone else. So I'm actually getting paid to paint someone else's miniatures, which is a little bit different. So no pressure at all, but. <laughs> Uh, it's taken me a couple of weeks to get uh, sort of part way through, but the, the guy's like, "Look, you've already made much more progress than I would have." So he's he's happy with the progress. Um, yeah, and then I was up at Sparrows this morning because Games Workshop announced a whole bunch of new Warhammer 40k stuff. So there goes mm. my wallet. Um, and and also speaking of and other big things happening, uh, the wedding planning. So. Operation Wedding 2020 is going full steam ahead. We are pretty much going to stick with our original planned wedding date. We're going to change uh, reception venue. We're a little bit worried about whether the state borders will all be open in time. <laughs> yeah, Queensland doesn't want to let anyone in. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and some very dear friends from America were going to fly out for the wedding as well. Uh, that's no, they're not. not. No, not anymore. <laughs> Uh, so I, one of them was telling me that uh, their visas were cancelled um, pretty much the minute the pandemic hit. So oh uh, there's a good chance uh, at, at, uh, the the whole event will be live-streamed <laughs> to select people, <laughs> uh, set up a Zoom meeting for a, a wedding. Uh, what, mm, what a world I was going to say, we, we were going to do a Wedding for Doom live at the wedding. Were we? <laughs> 
Why? Okay, why not? Sure. Did I did I not float that with you? No, no, you did not. This is news to me, but I like it. I like it. Oh, um, maybe a Gary show would be better. We we already did one wedding episode for Waiting for Doom. So what's what's another? You know. So. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, we, we might table that one for now. We'll, we'll talk behind the scenes. But I like it. I like it. Anyway, now that we've got all the personal fun stuff out of the way, how about we go and have a look at what's happening at the Doom News Desk? That sounded confident. <laughs> okay, uh, looking at Doom news, there is a we've got a backlog of news. We've got over a month's worth of news sitting here in a pile. It's not in a pile; mm. it's digital. Digital pile. Yeah. Digital pile. Anyway, um, I believe that COVID nineteen cut short the filming of Doom Patrol season two by three days. But uh, as they knew this was going to happen, I imagine that they uh, reshuffled things a bit and mm. uh, they probably made it work. Because since then, we've had the announcement, the very confident and bold announcement that Doom Patrol Season 2 is returning to our screens on the 25th of June. Woo-hoo. And it's um, one of the flagship shows of HBO Max. Yes. Um, and I believe if you have Foxtel in Australia, it will be on Binge. So Binge is the new oh. Foxtel streaming service that's going Excellent. to come. So. So hopefully Doom Patrol will be there when binge starts or, right. you know, when it launches and all that. Anyway, um, what else was there? Mike, there were new pictures, new uh, pictures of the Doom Patrol. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my favourite one was the one of Rita with the, the board. <laughs> Tell me about that, Mike. Uh, yeah, apparently Rita Farr's favourite podcast is Waiting for Doom. Uh, yeah. there, we, there's photographic evidence. It can't be denied. It's there. It's on the internet. It must be true. <laughs> Yeah, and it, it looks real, so I don't think it's a, any sort of fakery or... No, not at all. No. Shenanigans. No, no chicanery or deplorable action going on there. Yeah, and mm. there were some pictures featuring an old race car that uh, Cliff was lifting, mm. uh, Cliff Steel Robot Man, um, and there's a shot of um, um, Cyborg, Rita, uh, Jane, and Cliff, and they all look a bit bedraggled. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, out in the rain. Coming out of the rain, Jane. <laughs> Oh, that's so yeah. sad. I, I do believe that one piece I read was that they're actually all on, because at the end of season one, where they were all miniaturized, they're actually on Cliff's race car track in uh-huh. his room. And that's why he's lifting that car up. But somehow Dorothy's there with them in one of the pictures. Oh. And you only see her from the back. So I'm not, I, I don't recall, oh no, I'll have to watch it all over again. But yeah, I don't recall her being miniaturized. I could have forgotten. Uh, it happens, you know. But yeah, yeah. all all very exciting stuff. Yeah, and I heard I heard a rumor that Doctor Time may be in the show. <gasps> Ooh. My, oh, yeah, my my favorite clock faced villain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of all the clock faced villains, he's your favorite. Well, there's two. There's two in the DC universe. Is there, who's the other one? <laughs> um, oh, he's clocking. Ba- ba- clocking. Yeah. Clocking. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you've got to be careful how you pronounce that one. So, yeah. Almost dropped an he'll... L. Yeah, anyway. Maybe oh. they could have a digital face in the future. Oh, uh, nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Uh, one other thing, uh, a minor bit of, if you are a aficionado of um, Monsieur Mala and the Brain, they did make recent appearances in a couple of comics. They were in Red Hood and The Outlaws 43, mm. uh, working with Faye Gunn and getting a major feature there. And uh, in uh, Year of the Villain, Hell Arisen, <laughs> number uh, three. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, the Mala and the Brain were in a prison, um, yeah, oh. being abused by um, other villains. So. Ah, of course. Right. Yeah, yeah, or getting the respect they deserve. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Hmm, that that's it for the Doom news at this point. Okay, nice. And that's where we nicely segue into that ticking noise in the background, and we turn around, and there's the Doom clock. Hey, what is that ticking noise? Oh, just move on. <laughs> Professional like a fox. <laughs> and as we look upon the face of the mighty Doom Clock, we can see that it has been 23 weeks since we had a new Doom Patrol book on the shelves, that being issue 6 <sighs> of Doom Patrol Way to the Worlds, which we discussed in episode 155 from December of 2019. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's getting a bit... yeah. Yeah. Uh, issue 7, the final issue of this volume, is at this stage rescheduled yet again and is apparently due out July 1st of 2020, according Ooh. to PreviousWorld.com, which is a mere five weeks away, Paul. A mere five weeks. <laughs> They're really uh, rushing it. Yeah, well, you know, yeah, everything's ground to a halt. Thanks, Corona. Uh, and the Weight of the World trade paperback is apparently due for release on September 22nd of 2020. And this is according to Amazon.com. So oh. there's info out there. It's, um, you know, hopefully all going to come true. So we'll, we'll wait and see. You know, it's, it's not our first time where we've had to wait for waiting for, wait for waiting for Doom. Well, that's, that's been going on too, but waiting for Doom Patrol. You know what I mean. Just, look, it's very what? early, I'm very tired, it's very cold, it's, thir- <laughs> it's 13 degrees here in Brisbane, which is about 55, for those of you that use Fahrenheit. Now, Paul's going to upstage me and tell me how cold it is in his neck of the woods, on the other uh, side of Australia. Well, hang on, hang on, let's have a look. Come on, uh, let's settle it, come on. Alright, it's 4 degrees here. Wow, okay. <laughs> so, right. 9 degrees colder than... Yeah, okay, you win, alright, you feel better now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, just for that, let's get into the Doom Patrol history guessing game and see if you can oh. figure out what happened this week in Doom Patrol history. Paul, so I'm rolling the eight-sided die of Doom. Doom Patrol you, 28. You are getting. <laughs> what did you say? Doom Patrol 28. No, I won't count yeah. that one because you asked it before the dice landed. You've only scored a two, but I'm feeling generous despite your snarkiness about who has the colder weather. So I'll give you. Oh, actually, I'll, you know what? It's been a while. I'll double it. So I'm giving you four questions. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're welcome. So, <laughs> Thank you. So question the uh, first. Okay. Um, what is the issue number and who wrote it? <laughs> <laughs> you want to maybe rephrase that one? <laughs> um, okay. All right. Um, what year did the issue come out? The year that it came out, let me just double check this. The year it came out was 2005. Oh, 
Oh dear. That's, <laughs> the, that's the dark times. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Is it? Um, uh, let's do this for the audience. Is, is it um, <laughs> issue ten or higher? Higher, please. <laughs> is it issue ten or higher? <laughs> Uh, it's higher. Oh, it's higher okay. than issue ten. Yeah. Okay, is question it, the third. Uh, is it around issue seventeen? Are you asking if it's higher or lower than issue seventeen? <laughs> well, you tell me. Is it issue seventeen? <laughs> hey, no. Let's let's rework this third question. What are you actually okay. asking? You want the, the? Do you want to? Is it higher or lower than issue seventeen? It's <clears throat> lower, please. Is it higher or lower than issue 17? It's lower than 17. <laughs> I believe I'm up to my last question. You are up to your last question. Well, look, you know you know the era that it is. You know that yeah, it's I between, do. I do. between yeah. issues 10 and 17. So, you know. Yeah. All right, I'm going to say it's Doom Patrol of Volume 4, Issue 14. Oh, so close. It was issue oh. 12. Oh, oh you were so damn close. It. Yes, so going on. Stupid. <laughs> yes, go on, berate yourself <laughs> quietly while I read this. Oh, uh, yeah. Yes, going on sale for $2.50 American on May 25th of 2005, with the cover date of July of that year, was issue 12 of Doom Patrol, volume 4, Paul's favourite volume. This issue was brought to us by John Byrne, Doug Hazelwood, Jared K. Fletcher, Alex Blayat, and Mike Carlin. And in this issue, the voodoo shaman Tumbala led an attack on the patrol's key Mordaz base, fueled by revenge as he revealed the secret origin of Niles Calder. And thankfully, the day was saved by the character find of 2005, Elihu, the Confederate soldier ghost. Henry? <laughs> no, Henry didn't help. Uh, and all that plus Metamorpho, because why not? Um, we covered that issue all the way back in episode 126 from July of 2018, and you can find that in the Doom dossier for Volume 4 over at WaitingForDoom.com, and that is it for the Doom Clock this week. Yeah, surprisingly, uh, that issue did have a flashback in it, so... <laughs> you know. Tell the and, stories out of sequence? Yeah, yeah, a little bit, yeah, yeah a little bit, so... Well, how else was Tumbala going to tell us why he hated Niles Calder, you know? Uh, no idea. Ah, anyway, let's move on. Hi, Maggie, what are you writing? Oh, hi, John. I'm writing down ideas for a new promo for Married with Comics. I like our old promo. But the clips from the old promo are from an episode that's never even aired. It's lazy podcasting. But we're incredibly lazy podcasters. And the only thing you've written down are the words, come up with ideas for the new promo. Well, I guess we'll just have to fall back on plan B, then. Uh, B for blackmail professional podcast guest Tim Price into doing a Mephisto bit? Exactly. Greetings, internerds. It is I, Mephisto, ruler of the netherworld and prince of all evil. I am taking this time for my evil machinations to issue a warning to everyone in podcast land. Avoid Married with Comics with John and Maggie at all costs. They're a despicably lovable pair of newlyweds who talk about comic books and other areas of geekdom with enthusiasm and joy that is anathema to me. Ugh. 
Just listen to them as they paraphrase panels. For those who don't have the issue, Thor's expression is pretty much that of anyone who reads this issue pretty once much. you're done with it. Yeah. You, you there, everyone's sick of this and sick of you. I am pointing where you need to go, which is away from here and away from this issue. <laughs> and I do love that first panel. It's pretty neat. I like it. Batman going swoosh. Explain exposition. I have no idea what's happening. In this one, it looks like Superman's tearing a bridge down. Why is he destroying a bridge? I think this is part of his eventual reign of terror. Is again, oh, maybe. Thing. It's a bridge. <laughs> Screw that. <laughs> and comment on all their favorite comics. Everything about this issue is just gollywhackers. <laughs> He's causing huge amounts of property damage, which, by the way, at least when the Fantastic Four does it, they pay the city back. Superman's not going to pay anybody back for this. Married with Comics, available directly at marriedwcomics.libson.com on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on Facebook or Twitter by searching for Married with Comics Podcast. We've got everything you need. Now it's time for Doom's Planning, where we go in-depth with a couple of issues of the Doom Patrol. And this week we are returning to Volume 5, looking at issues 17 and 18. And Paul, can you kick us off, please, with issue 17? Sure can. Issue 17. It said it came out in February 2011, but it actually came out in December 2nd, 2010. What a lie. Um, <laughs> cover price, two ninety nine. It was written by Keith Giffen. It was penciled by Matthew Clark. It was penciled by Ron Randall, friend of the show, Ron Randall. He liked my cat the other day on Twitter. Um, oh, nice. <laughs> inked by John Livesay. Lettered by Pat Brousseau. Uh, Coloured by Guy Major. It was called Of the Blood. And it was all edited by Elizabeth V. Girling. And the cover shows, well, it's like the Doom Patroller posing for a ye olde time portrait. So you've got mm. Larry dressed up in a dapper little hat and he's got an umbrella over his arm and he's holding a pocket watch. And Rita's seated between them as women off, were often seated and she's looking very resplendent with a nice hat and mm -hmm. a big, big coat. And Cliff is sort of dressed as a soldier uh, mm. man with a... A pointy helmet, yes. looking very Prussian or something. Mm. And um, there is a noose gangling, dangling behind them, and the whole kitchen, uh, the whole picture is spattered in blood. Yes, the aforementioned of the blood is mm. spattering. And uh, I like this issue. It starts with a "What has gone before" page, which is very exciting. So I'll give that a read, so I don't have to tell you what has gone before. Nice. And it's um, got some art on it, and it says, "And I can read primer." Says, today is a bad day for Cliff, Larry and Rita. Today the chief is mad at them. Well, the chief is always mad at them. They should be used to it by now. Silly, silly Doom Patrol. The chief has done a bad thing because he is mad at Cliff, Larry and Rita. He has done a very bad thing. The chief has given himself powers. Now the chief can fly. Fly, chief, fly. <laughs> the chief has made the Doom Patrol mad. Larry is mad at the chief. Rita is mad at the chief. Cliff is very mad at the chief. The Doom Patrol made the chief go away. Then see Rita fight Feral Rita. Fight Rita's fight. This was a change of pace issue. Change of pace issues don't really count. Poor Brian. Poor Keith. <laughs> uh, Veronica Kale is the president of Oolong Island. Cliff, Larry and Rita live on Oolong Island. 
Veronica Kale is mean. Veronica Kale wants to make the Doom Patrol cry. Mean. Mean Veronica Kale. And you're all caught up. <laughs> I know DC are very anti-recap pages, but honestly, this volume had some great recap pages. It did. It's mm. all recapping really well. Mm. This story opens, and it's a reading of a letter from Duke Byron Boswick II. He tells of how he, his wife, the Duchess, and their son Byron delight in depraved activities like torture and murder. He writes of their apparent immortality, which has allowed them to dwell around the world for more than a hundred years, which is why he was active as Jack the Ripper more than a century ago. Lately, the family have moved from Iran to North Korea, becoming guests of the dictatorial regime. It seems they have had a massive manor house built, staffed with hapless North Korean servants that they abuse terribly. And that's uh, basically the gist of the letter. And um, I think he just puts the letter on the shelf. He doesn't even send it to anyone. Hmm. Anyway, um, back at Oolong Island, a Cliff meets with the president, Veronica Kale, to clarify the role of the team without the chief around. She tells them the Doom Patrol are now nationalised, an asset of her government. Uh, Cliff goes to consult with first Larry and then Rita and Karen Beecher, a.k.a. Bumblebee, about this. And since Steve Dayton has sort of snuck away from the island after Rita's assaults, they all agree they have very few options than to stick it out. Um, and they hope it will be better than it was under the Chief's ruthless leadership. Mm. Mm. They merely begin to regret their choice, or lack thereof, as they find themselves flying to North Korea as bodyguards to Veronica Kale. Uh, Oolong's island... Independent sovereignty requires her to court certain outlying nations for recognition and support, and she's off to North Korea. Mm, dodgy. <laughs> <clears throat> they soon find themselves at a gala dinner where Veronica is being welcomed. The team are disturbed when they run into longtime foe General Amortis. <gasps> yes, the shriveled old man, and he warns them that Kale will be assassinated, but not by his hand. Um, he's being neutral at the moment uh bumblebee hiding in reader's purse takes to the air scouting their room for kale's whereabouts uh the body they are guarding is nowhere to be seen so karen returns to rita's clutch and they head to the powder room in case veronica is there unfortunately bumblebee's reconnaissance is observed by the younger boswick uh delighted and covetous of her iridescent wings he follows the women Confronting Rita, he demands the tiny-winged woman. Uh, Larry follows them out of the main hall in case they need his help. Uh, the scene shifts to a nearby dungeon where J the Duke has Kale chained up. He monitors the activities of the younger Byron, disappointed by his lack of self-control. Leaving the dungeon, he heads to the party, taking a call from General Mortis, now on his way to his residence, having left the party. He asks if the General would, would help covering up what is coming, so international backlash is minimal. I wonder what's coming. As he signs off, Amortis warns him that the robot man does not breathe. Hmm. The Duke meets up with the Duchess, looking ridiculously buxom, and the two <laughs> enter the Grand Hall, where every servant, every attendee at the party is now dead. Uh, except for Cliff Steele. Mm. They stop to splash some blood on their clothing, delighted in all the carnage. A stunned Cliff asks, Who the hell are you people? Of course, please forgive our deplorable lack of decorum. Duke Byron Boswick II and Duchess Victoria Boswick at your service, known in select circles as the Aristocrats. Ooh. Ooh. End. <laughs> oh, fancy. <laughs> yeah, what do you think of this one, Mike? Um, I liked it. It's, it's, 
Uh, okay, first off, yeah, I really like the recap page. I don't think it was a change of pace issue that they were recapping. It was a fun issue, and it was a fun recap. Uh, and this one, I like that this one is actually introducing some new villains, uh, again, into the Doom Patrol mythos. Um, and they're quite odd. They're and nasty. They're, they're nasty, and they're a little bit twisted and depraved, and they're immortal killers, basically, with a magic mansion that travels around the world somehow. Um, and yeah, they're an interesting group of foes to throw up against the Doom Patrol. Also, it was really cool to see General Immortus. If, uh, I had to do some research, and if I'm correct, we haven't seen Immortus since issue 16 from volume 2. Yeah, that sounds about right. It was yeah, in the latter days of the Paul Kupperberg stuff. Yeah, yeah, which was back in 1988. So, mm. which we covered in episode 59 from June of 2016, so like 100 episodes ago. <laughs> so, woo, yeah, yeah. So it was very cool seeing Immortus uh, and seeing him sort of be this weird, semi-neutral voice amongst all the weirdness. So that was mm. cool. Um, yeah, the, some of the action was a little... I had to go back and reread some of it, especially where... Immortus is telling the Duke that, oh, the robot doesn't breathe. And you kind of have to watch what's happening in the background of some of the panels in that the the grand ballroom where all the, the guests are in, um, uh, there's like a, a giant metal door comes down. Uh, and if you're not paying attention to the panel, you kind of don't quite realise that that's actually happened. So I had to reread a couple of pages just to figure out what the heck's he on about. Um, and then the door opens up again. So... My assumption is that all the guests were gassed with some yeah. sort of poison, um, and that's why Immortus is saying, oh, the robot doesn't breathe. So, mm. um, But, yeah, sometimes it's it's good to have a comic book make you think and reread stuff just so you actually get what they're on about. Um, but, yeah, it w- I, I liked it. It's um, it's a good issue. Uh, interesting that they keep going on about, you know, beloved leader of North Korea. Yeah, so, which was uh, Kim Jong Il, probably best remembered from his uh, st- uh, starring role in Team America as leader <laughs> of the bad guys. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, yes. For those of you who don't know, North Korea is an independent socialist state. So it says it's communist, but ineffective. It's a monarchy uh, with dictators. So mm-hmm. the um, the dictatorship is passed down the Jong Il family or the, mm-hmm. the the Kim family. Yes. Yes. Um, and they're famous for having the worst human rights violations in the world. Mm, mm, yeah. mm. Uh, just another little factoid, uh, Kim Jong-il died 10 months after this issue was released. Oh. December of 2011. So there you go. Mm. Happy times. <laughs> Good stuff. It's gotten weird. <laughs> what do you think yeah. of the issue, Paul? Yeah, uh, well, I, I was wondering why was the younger Byron in trouble? And I, I think it was because he uh, pursued the women, so basically they weren't in the room to be poisoned so um you know there's still some Doom Patrol players on the board because of, of him interfering mm. Mm. Uh, so yeah but but the flashbacks of uh what the the family like to get up to in their spare time are quite disturbing there's um uh the duchess bites the nose off one of her maids because she's mm-hmm. too attractive and um young Byron has a, a woman chained up on his bed that looks like she's covered in flies so been there for a while mm. and then he um, flips a switch and a new bed <laughs> rises in its place so, yeah yeah yeah. Uh, yeah so they're, yeah they're very very icky and um yeah they would fit right in, in the, the fact that Korea. yeah the, the fact that the duke uh you know comments about how he was referred to as by the press 
in the Whitechapel murders as Jack the Ripper. Kind of gives you a hint as to what he's like. What they're uh, into. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm. But yes, what else but, did you like about it? Oh, the art was really good. Um, mm-hmm. Very fancy ballrooms and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, I really liked... I don't know, there's... It's all sort of retro and a, a bit steampunk. The fact that uh, General Immortus leaves the party in an old um, handsome carriage sort of mm. car. Yeah. Yes. But, um, yeah, it's... Yeah, we'll have to see where it goes. And where does it go, Mike? Well, it goes right into the next issue, which is issue 18. The story in this one is titled Gut Instinct. It's written by Keith Giffen again, penciled by Matthew Clark and Ron Randall, uh, inked by John Livesay, uh, lettered by Matt Pat Brousseau, sorry, coloured by Guy Major, with a cover by Clark and Major, and it was edited by Simona Martor and Elizabeth V. Gerling. And the cover is one that they did as a, I guess you'd call it a, a theme or a gimmick uh, for this time, where, where they had just like the team or the character's main logo on the cover, with, you know, the main characters sort of running towards the reader or striking a pose. So this one has Robot Man, Negative Man, Elastic Woman and uh, Bumblebee uh, sort of all leaping into action on the cover. Mm. And it's got the cool DP logo on it above them as well, which was the inspiration for the tattoo I have. So, mm. yeah, so it's it's very cool. I, I like this cover. And yeah, they did it with, with every DC book that came out that month. Yeah. Um, so that was, yeah, I was going back a bit. And yes, it uh, is cover dated March of 2011, but it actually came out on, he said, flicking very furiously to the actual page. January 5th. January 5th. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Nice save. I'm going to leave that bit in. Anyway. <laughs> The action picks up immediately after the last issue, with the Robot Man facing off against the Duke and Duchess of Boswick as they stand in the ballroom full of victims of the gassing from the previous issue. Cliff grabs the Duke, demanding to know where Veronica Kale is, but he receives a kick to the head from the Duchess. As the Duke leaves the ballroom, he mentions that immortality has given the Duchess plenty of time to master numerous forms of close combat. Just as Cliff mentions that he's not fond of smacking women around, he receives a punch to the face strong enough to dislodge one of his eyes. It's then that he announces he's not going to play nice anymore. Elsewhere, Larry is quietly sneaking around the mansion in search of Veronica, and with the help of Negman, he overcomes a guard and breaks into a central control room, lined with monitors, none of them giant, unfortunately, uh, revealing more tortured prisoners of these aristocrats. Releasing Negman again to knock out the guard at the main console, Larry sighs at the number of rooms and level he has to scan through, saying Cal will be in the last place he looks. Back on the main floor, Rita and Karen are dealing with the repugnant Byron Boswick, still determined to have Bumblebee for his depraved tastes. Rita is fed up with Byron not revealing where Kale is, and goes from frustrated to aggressive as she begins her arm and hand, grabs his head, and begins slamming his face into the floor. Byron is shocked that the women are actually fighting back against him, while Karen is shocked with Rita's sudden violence. Back in the ballroom, the fight between Robot Man and the Duchess gets more violent as Cliff suddenly overcomes her, throwing her into a wall and snapping her neck. His shock at thinking he's killed her is soon removed as the Duchess realigns her head properly atop her neck, stands up and asks him, what part of mandatory immortality do you not understand, before she leaps to strike at him again. 
In the control room, Larry is exasperated at having to trawl through live feed of victims across 13 levels before he finally sees an image of Carol chained to a chair, just as the Duke walks into that same room. The Duke reveals to Veronica that the leader of North Korea sees Oolong Island as becoming something of a threat to the security of his nation and wants Kale dead. Holding a corkscrew up to her eye, the Duke comments that beloved leader didn't specify when he wanted her dead, so he's interpreted that as a chance to take his time and quote-unquote become properly acquainted. However, before anything really creepy and violent can occur there, Larry sends the negative being flying down through the floors and ceilings to the basement level, knocking out the Duke. In the control room, Larry activates the security override for the mansion, then runs off to release Veronica. An automated voice alerts everyone in the mansion that the security override is now enabled and the security grid is shutting down. The Duchess becomes distressed by this development and runs out of the ballroom just as Bumblebee and Elastowoman enter, with Rita dragging Byron along by his jacket. The younger aristocrat reveals his father has a collection of tortured and mutilated victims in the mansion's lower levels and he's terrified of facing them now that the security grid is deactivated. Our heroes begin to run, Cliff now grabbing Byron to guide them out. In the basement, the Duke comes too, just as his prisoners burst into the room, forcing him to fight his way out to escape them. Before any of them can harm Kale, Negative Man zaps through the last few of the prisoners, and Larry arrives to release her. They manage to make it back up to the main floor, the enraged victims chasing after them, where they almost collide with the rest of the team coming around the other corner. Cliff grabs the team close to him and tells Rita to get them out of there, no frills, and they jump onto her shoulder as she goes into gigantic woman mode, crashing through the roof of the mansion and racing them all back to their jet on the nearby airfield. And the issue ends with Duke Byron penning another letter to his friend, summarising how disastrously the gala ended, with the mansion severely damaged, the Duchess taking her frustrations out on the servants, Byron retreating into a fantasy world of docile women, and how the Duke himself has had to destroy the last of his remaining test subjects. He signs off with a note that gives him a strange comfort, though, that Veronica Kale is unaware of what happened to her between being taken and when she woke up in his dungeon. Ooh. Mm. What do you think of that one, Paul? Uh, it's disturbing. I must admit. <laughs> yeah. First thing that strikes me is uh, the aristocrats sort of get away, like they're scot-free mm-hmm. and, you know, um, go on to torture their staff. Uh, yeah, there's no real comeuppance to them apart from having their plans thwarted. Um, so. Yeah. 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 They, so. they save Kale, but yeah, the bad guys get away. Yeah. Uh, it's n- it's not very Garth Ennis. Garth Ennis would have made sure they were, if they were still alive, they're at the bottom of the ocean or something. Like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I I wonder if there were more plans for the Bodswicks to return yeah. at some point because uh, it was an interesting introduction for them, and I think the patrol were in need of a bigger rogues gallery with this new volume, or, you know, this particular volume. So maybe that's why they were allowed to, you know, yeah. get away with it sort of thing. So, Yeah, I mean, all the villains get away, but you want to see them sort of lose big time. So, mm. yeah. yeah. And yeah. as always, everything that's happening in North Korea is disturbing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I love one thing I love about this issue is the cover, um, especially of the prominence of Bumblebee at this point. Mm. Uh, though I did take pause every time I read her name in the comic when they call, say, Karen, because of what's going on on social media with Karen at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. 
<laughs> that tripped me up a few times. What did you think? Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. You're right. It's it's uh, a very dark and disturbing <laughs> group of foes they're up against. Uh, the scenes with the um, the prisoners escaping from the dungeons was very creepy. Uh, and you sort of look at it and go, wow, uh, these Bodswicks are truly messed up. They are very twisted people. They're not good. But yeah, it was cool. Uh, I just love seeing the team in action like this. You know, you, you, you've got Rita and Karen running off and taking care of Byron, and you've got Robot Man fighting the the Duchess, and you've got Larry, you know, in his own bumbling, <laughs> sarcastic way, saving Veronica Kyle, of all people. So yeah, it was it had some cool action, uh, had some interesting villains that, unfortunately, we don't ever see again. This is it for the Boswicks. So, yeah, but it, it, it was a nice little um, two-parter. Uh, but yeah, it's it's just interesting that despite the team saving the day and saving Veronica, that um, yeah, the villains kind of get away scot-free. Yeah. yeah. But uh, overall, yeah, um, a really good little two-parter that I really enjoyed. Yeah, it's a different change of pace, really, isn't it? With mm. the, a break from the MSC stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like I said, as cool as it was to see uh, people, you know, like Animal, Vegetable, Mineral Man and and Mr. Nobody slash Somebody. It's cool to see new villains in, in being added to the team's lore. So, yeah, I, I quite liked it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, overall, yeah, good one. I especially like the fact that, you know, you could find General Immortus hobnobbing with evil people at a party somewhere in the world. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just, I, I'm just amazed at how much of a gap there's been between him last appearing, you know, mm. in 88. Yeah, but yeah, it was a very... I'd actually forgotten that he appeared in this in this story, so um, it was cool to turn the page and see him there again. So, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Good stuff. Yeah. Alrighty. All Doomsplained out? Uh, yeah. Cool. Okay, and now it's part of the show where we look at the mailbag of Doom, and we asked the question on the last episode of Waiting for Doom, what is your favourite funny comic? And we heard from Martin Gray, who said Schmizzle and Glitz, Glitz, and I googled that, and it said, did you mean uh, Smiley and Ritz? And I said, no, and I couldn't find anything. So no. I don't know what that is. Look, I'm sure Martin will clue us in. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he will... Clarify that response for us. Uh, we then heard from John uh, from Married with Comics podcast, and he said the current Jimmy Olsen series is up there. Okay. Mm. Must admit, I've not read that, Matt, but I've heard good things. Yeah. Matt Fraction, yeah, I'm hoping to check it out in uh, trade form at least. Cool. Mm. Uh, we heard from the Birds of Prey podcast, and they said Jim Marfood's Grill Scouts. Mm. Uh, I, I'm unfamiliar with that. Are you familiar with that? Uh, I am not. I've, it's another one I've not read, unfortunately. So, yeah. cool. uh, Jeffrey Rant at Tzigjo. I keep mucking that one up. Sorry, Jeffrey. Uh, he said Dennis the Menace. Okay. Ooh, cool. Retro. Mm. Uh, Slangword Scott said Uncle Scrooge by Carl Barks or Don Rosa. Classic nice. DuckTales stuff. Mm, yeah, uh, the charming but deceitful Tim Price chimed in with, while more of a fantasy epic, Jeff Smith's Bone has some of the funniest comics ever. Issue ten with the Great Cow Race is hilarious. I do concur. Have you read Bone? I've only read a little bit of it. Um, not, and I don't think I got up to issue ten. So. Ah, it's, <laughs> uh, it's it's delightful. Mm, yeah, it's it's the ones I 
did read, I recall being very charming. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Dr. Anne said uh, a bit of Dan Slott's She-Hulk and then showed off some covers that he's got autographed, of course. Of course. <laughs> so feel for you, did, uh, Ange not going to cons at the moment. Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, we then heard from uh, Council of Geeks, otherwise known as Nathaniel Wayne, who's at Council of Geeks, and uh, Nathaniel said, a "Sluggy freelance. If you're not accepting web comics, then let's go with Grew the Wanderer." A nice choice. I don't know Sluggy freelance. I'm not a web comic person much. No, nor am I. No, but Grew, yeah, yeah Grew's always good and fun. Yeah. But we accept your answer, Nathaniel. Yes. <laughs> we don't reject it. Uh, we heard from Jay Powers, Bear 24 on Twitter, and he said, for me, it has to be got, it has got to be Grey, Palmiotti, and Connor's Power Girl, especially her dealings with Vartox of Valoron. Yeah, that's some good stuff. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Are you familiar with uh, Sean Connery's Zardoz? Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, okay, Vartox right. is basically Zardoz right. ripoff. Okay. Or Sean Connery rip off from that. Anyway. Right, the game's afoot. Uh, <laughs> oh, we need more from... podcasts doing Sean Connery. <laughs> oh, God, don't encourage me. Uh, we then heard from Saul Bishop, at Saul Bishop, and Saul said, probably the Giffen D. Matthias Justice League era, specifically the one-punch issue. Oh, yeah. nice. Who doesn't love seeing Guy Gardner get punched in the face? So, yeah. yeah. Uh, we heard from Frack at... Uh, no show fractures and he said uh, first, two answers first ambush bug yes very funny and uh, Alex and Ada <laughs> is that aimed at anyone on the show in particular I, I wonder who I wonder who did I, no Alex I don't recall any funny parts in Alex and it maybe I'll have to go reread it hmm, you know, maybe. maybe maybe that's what he's saying we then heard from Sean Ross who said next wave is the funniest awesomest fun awesomest series of all time not read it, but I have heard similar comments. Yes. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Brian Gooney chimed in, director Dirk Anger, what keeps me going? Drugs. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes, okay. next wave. Mm. Yeah. Uh, oh, look, we got some, uh, we have three more responses from Frack. Uh, first being Mad Magazine, the 70s to the 80s era, then the Bwahaha League, those comics are still funny to read today, and next wave. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, we also heard from Relatively Geeky, who said, It's Gru, no doubt. Yep, that's a good one. Yep. Uh, Chris Lewis uh, chimed in with, The Heckler must be nearly 30 years old, but I still occasionally think of some of the gags in that O2 short-lived book. That was a, nice. well, very few issues of that. Um, <laughs> Clinton, Coffee and Comics, said, Probably anything with Hoppy the Marvel Bunny. Uh, just to annoy Professor Allen when he listens to the feedback, I'll also add Little Jinx. Ooh, shots mm. fired. <laughs> okay. Uh, Ryan Daly has chimed in with uh, a few answers. Uh, Dan Slott's She-Hulk, and Nick Spencer's Superior Foes of Spider-Man, and Ant-Man slash Astonishing Ant-Man. Yes to Superior Foes of Spider-Man. That book was very funny. I mm. read that, and it was lots of good fun. Yeah, no, I've read the Ant-Man stuff too. It's, it's good stuff as well. Uh-huh. Hmm. Uh, Mike Gillis from Radio vs. the Martian said... Probably the recent Flintstones reboot by Mark Russell and Steve Pugh. It's also one of the saddest and most thought-provoking books in years. I have to agree with all that. It's very funny, wow. and um, it is sad, and it makes you think. Or even if you don't want to. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. 
we then heard from at demonic underscore Simeon on Twitter, <laughs> whose, whose handle is uh, nothing will fundamentally change, and they chimed in with superior foes of Spider-Man as well. Yep. it's another good vote. Yep. <laughs> Chris Lydon said, I really like Gru. That's a fair call. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Uh, Mike Staley at Stale Dog said, uh, I thought Power Girl's 2005 run was pretty funny, especially her interactions with Vartox. And he's provided <laughs> us some uh, some images from that issue. And yeah, I can see the um, the Sean Connery at some point there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, Ward Hill Teller- Terry said, Little Lulu by John Stanley. Laugh out loud funny. Oh, okay. Hmm. Uh, and Trevor Williams, at Trevor O. Williams, chimed in with Flaming Carrot. Another one I'm aware of, but have not read. Mm. And we also heard from uh, Canadian geek Craig R. McD, and he said, in response to Question of the Week, my favourite funny comics were the original Justice League International series by Giffen and Maguire, especially issues 11 and 21-23. Also, the early issues of Impulse uh, by Mark Wade and Humberto Ramos were very funny. Um, yeah, I have to agree with all that. Yeah, that's good, some good stuff. I just want to uh, give a shout out to Craig because he's done a fantastic job of wrangling Doom Patrol news. He's he should mm. be our newsman for this show <laughs> at this point. <laughs> he's he's always on the ball. He's he's on the pulse. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and uh, over on the Facebook page, we heard from Jared Driscoll, and Jared said, "I've always had a soft spot for Captain Carrot and the Amazing Zoo Crew." Okay, Ooh. nice, very nice. Okay, and we also heard from Fire and Water Podcast, I believe it's Rob Kelly, <laughs> Joe Cubit School Class of 92, as he adds. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Good one, Rob. Uh, he said, hello, boys. My favorite funny comic was Kyle Baker's Plastic Man. I thought it was a great approach to the character, beautiful to look at, and very funny. And I think that's about to be recollected in a nice hardcover. So oh, okay. T- timely, yeah. I, I've, uh, I've read some of that. It's quite fun. It's, uh, yes. And what else we got? Uh, we also heard uh, from Tim Price on, on the site, uh, who gave us the following feedback, another uh, commenting on episode 158, and Tim wrote, another great issue from volume 5, it was a treat to have Giffen provide the art, it felt very much like he was pulling some styles from errors of his own work, Monster Reader had some Legion five years later, Negative Nazi was classic Giffen slash Great Darkness, Robot Cycle had some Trencher, and then Ambush Bug. We actually got Giffen drawing Ambush Bug. It's weird to feel happy reading a horror story, but that's Doom Patrol for you. Now that I've had a chance to read Volume 3, it's much better having Ted appear. Oh, did I say I'd read Volume 3? I mean the first 20 issues of Volume 3, because that's all DC added to the DCU app, and then abruptly stopped. Those crumb bums! Sorry, pardon my language. Hey, I thought of a joke listening to this episode. Knock, knock. Who's there? Interrupting Paul. Interrupting Paul who? Don't be a crumb bum, DC Digital. Well done, Doom Splainers. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. So, what's your answer for funny comic? I had oh, look, I had to dive back a few years because I don't have a lot of funny comic books, but one that did make me laugh out loud when it was out and I was collecting it uh, was the first series of a comic from IDW called Dave, except the A is spelt with the numeral 4, because this is set on an Earth that is populated by robots. And Dave is a poor office worker whose teenage son hates him and his wife hates him. And he basically ends up preventing, well, dealing with an alien invasion that have come to Robot Earth. But Dave, you know, hates his life uh, and, you know, goes out 
know, on a oil drinking binge, as a sad robot might do. <laughs> um, he goes to like a you know spends fourteen hours at a robot strip club to try and cheer himself up. His life is just awful, but it's kind of hilarious at the same time. And then yeah, then aliens come and land down and. He, because he he sees a you know a better future for himself. He decides to take it upon himself to try and stop said alien invasion, and it was a lot of fun and and some very funny stuff. It was by Ryan Ferrier and Valentin Ramon. Uh, it was came out in I think it was 2015, so it's a few years old now. But yeah, and there's been I think I know there was definitely a second series where I think he was running for president. <laughs> Uh, and then there was a third series, which I haven't gotten around to yet. But yeah, it, it was a lot of fun seeing this this poor, miserable robot deal with an alien invasion. So, yeah. Mm, what about you, Paul? Well, I will concur on Next Wave. It's an incredibly funny comic and um, very nicely done. And, uh, you know, all the snarkiness of Warren Ellis um, all channeled into one spot with the fantastic <laughs> art by Chris Sprouse, I believe. But uh, funny comics. Well, I mean, I, I've got a. I can't stray far from the Doom Patrol and uh, Doom Patrol Forty Five, uh, Beard Hunter. But, uh, <laughs> that makes me laugh every time. I should have seen that one coming. That is, that, that is like your favourite all-time Doom Patrol issue, if I recall correctly. Yeah. So much so that we did a single episode dedicated to just that issue, very early in uh, very the life early. of the show. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, a shout-out to uh, 34 with, um, you know, Cliff out of his body and uh, the brain and Mallor attacking. That, that's oh, a, right. That's one, too. Yeah. yeah. And I love that that one's become canon with the fact that uh, the brain and Mallor are in a relationship. That was sort of introduced as a bit of a joke, and it's mm. become real. So. Yeah, it's stuck. Well yeah. done. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, there we go. Hmm. That's pretty much us for this episode been a while mm. but we'll try and get back to another waiting for doom very soonish so yeah what are we going to do next on the feed poll oh i don't know we're so tired aren't we um <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess when we return for waiting for doom we'll do some uh, doom patrol secret six crossing over mm. that'll be fun i think next time when we do a dc ocd i don't i'm not going to promise when that will be it will be a multiversity uh, which is daunting, mm-hmm. hence the uh, the lack of commitment there. Um, and I will probably do a Gary show at some point. Then yeah. for those, if you haven't listened to Gary show, shame on you. That's good. Um, <laughs> what's it about? It's about an hour. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and do we have another question of the week for the next waiting for doing Paul? Uh, yes, so at this time of isolation, uh, which comic character would you want to be isolated with? And we want no dirty, sexy answers from perverts. Oh! <laughs> yes. Shit, hang on, I'm just going <laughs> to update a list. Uh, God damn it. Killjoy. <laughs> Anyway, if you would like to get in touch with us, you can reach out via Twitter. You can say hi to Wilfred at WFDPod. You can email us at waitingfordoom at gmail.com. You can check out the Waiting for Doom Facebook page or our awesome, fantastic, awesome, awesome website, waitingfordoom.com, where we have pictures and all links to all our episodes across all our shows, and it's good fun. Hmm. It is. Yeah. Yeah. All righty. Yeah, alrighty. Well, as as always, uh, stay weird, be good to each other, uh, don't hey, be a Mike, hey, Mike, Mike, Mike. Should yes, people Paul. be a crumbum? 
People should not be a crumb bomb, Paul. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, we'll catch you next time for more Waiting for Doom.